Tina, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Your resume is remarkable. You, you know, from being a successful musician and visual artist, serving as a UN climate ambassador, founding Code Green, a decentralized nonprofit aimed at creating positive change in crypto and NFT space for our planet. And you're the head of philanthropy at World of Women. You speak at leading Web3 NFT conferences around the world. Um, and that's just to say a few things, but I appreciate you making the time <laughs> to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really glad to be here. So before we get into what you're doing now, I'd love to hear how it all began. Um, so what? tell me a little bit about your background and, and how you got into Web3. So as a musician and a, a visual artist, I always try to find new mediums and push the boundaries of my art. And so the blockchain has been something that I discovered in 2020 because my partner, who's also a visual artist, told me about NFT and the Web3 space. And so I got really intrigued and I wanted to understand all about it. And, and so I, it was so fascinating that I became really obsessed with it. And, uh, and because I have been an activist for the past, let's say, 16 years plus, I came in the space as an artist, but I really uh, put my builder shoes on because that's something that I, <laughs> it's really part of who I am. And, uh, and I mean, in, in real life, I've been, uh, uh, advocating for women and girls' rights and also for the climate. And and so I, I wanted to do something about that. So uh, it kind of intertwined and uh, we created Code Green. And uh, World of Women was our first uh, partner in the space. And so we, we took on the strategy of uh, the philanthropy and the sustainability of uh, of the brand. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And you were... Um, you were quite early because when when did you say you got into Web three twenty in twenty 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 yeah and that's that's right when you know all those original kind of profile picture projects launched you had you had the Board Ape Yacht Club you had World of Women Cool Cats all all of those kind of launched around the same time um, and yeah then they to... actually launched in twenty twenty one so okay. I oh, saw right. them arriving and uh, and it was. Uh, it was fun to watch. I minted a uh, world of women and uh, my husband was, he was the one who was leading me and guiding me a little bit in this. And so he was listening in a lot of clubhouse spaces. And, uh, and so we, we educated ourselves like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Right. 2021. Um, yeah. Time in crypto flies and I, I, I lose track of my years. <laughs> COVID, COVID didn't help the, the year tracking thing either. <laughs> no. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's neat. So I, you, you were there minting world of women. I was about a month late and that's when I, world of women was one of, one of, if not the first uh, NFT I actually purchased. And it was, I, I was in the clubhouse spaces, you know, much like you, um, or clubhouse rooms spaces comes from Twitter. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, no, it, it was, I was just learning just by listening. And then, uh, I'd love to hear just you speak to, um, 
you know, there, there's a lot you can understand by reading, by listening, but it's another thing to actually like experience this, experience the technology, and and to uh, you know to to go through the process of of minting an NFT. So how yes. how important is that um, to actually understanding the space? I think it's the most important thing. It's to educate yourself and understand the space because mistakes cost so much right now because we are very early. So the basics, it's like, what is a wallet? How do you create your wallet? How do you mint? How do you get cryptocurrencies? Which block, what is a blockchain? Which blockchain uh, are you going to uh, be working or, you know, minting from and really understand the basic of it? Unfortunately, it's not super user friendly for now for people who have no idea what a blockchain is or what NFTs are or what, what Web3 is. So I think that now there is a lot of education and information out there. A lot of projects have created like basic uh, things that people can learn from. And that's something that we do a lot at Code Green and World of Women is education. And so I think that for people coming in the space, it's important to observe and learn before doing anything. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. There is this um, accessibility kind of higher barrier to entry and, and steeper learning curve than than a lot of uh, um, things that we you know we use on a day to day basis. But it is getting better, and I think we can both agree that it has improved a lot over the last couple of years. Um, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is much better than 2020 was. It was not that easy. I felt like I needed to have a science degree <laughs> or a tech degree to understand. But I think that more there are more and more tools now that have made it easier for people to uh, not only participate as community members, but also create their own project without coding and so there, yeah, there have been amazing tools, and like you said, it's such a it's such a fast space that uh, when you, I look back to twenty twenty, we've come such a long way. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing, but it's it's definitely not like just uh, creating your Instagram page or your right. YouTube account, but it is really worth it because I feel that this is the new internet this is what the future is about so what we're building right now is really important but i think that for the in in the next uh, five years things will completely shift so you know you we can now deploy smart contracts without actually having a solidity developer or having those that that skill set uh, what are some of your favorite tools for learning about the space for actually you know being a builder in this space so as an artist and i'm absolutely not a dev and i have zero zero education and knowledge about coding so money everything that manifold have been doing in the past two years have been amazing and uh and it's really it helps support artists and people who have no knowledge about coding which i absolutely don't and uh, to make it easier to mint your project, to share it, and um, it gives tool to uh, to people who are creative but don't have the the tech side of things. And uh, and now we can see with the 
the different, uh, you know, platforms that are creating uh, smart contracts that you can deploy yourself, which was something very complicated a year ago. Like you needed to have someone creating a smart contract for your project or for you as an artist, you needed to have a platform. But now it's becoming um, a space where people will be more and more independent and will be able to do things themselves. So the barrier is being more thin. And so hopefully creative will be able to unleash more of um, what they are doing and, uh, and also have more people coming in. Absolutely. Um, how do you see blockchain tech NFTs helping to create new economic opportunities, uh, especially for, you know, those people in underserved communities and maybe some of those, um, you know, developing nations? I think it is so important to bring everybody to the table and include everyone that no one is left behind. So bringing access to underserved communities is super important because there are so many amazing brains that, you know, can benefit from what we are building right now. We've seen a lot of projects create value for their holders and uh, artists creating, uh, making a living with their art in the space. So, Crypto is something that is here to stay. And I feel like the circular economy that we are in really needs to be more open to marginalized groups. And uh, I think that it's there have been so many um, gatekeeping in the real world that here in this space, we have the opportunity to not do that, to not recreate that same injustices and uh, really just keep the door open for anybody. And if you have talent, creativity, if you are on a mission, if you are an artist, if you really uh, want to be part of it, you shouldn't have to have permission from somebody else. This is a trustless, permissionless space and you just bring in who you are. And so I really encourage more and more people, uh, either organizations or or artists who are not in the space to learn about it and see how they can participate because this is going to be our future. And mm -hmm. uh, the more early you're in, the more you learn and uh, you you also deal with the mistakes and, uh, and, and move forward and learn from them. Yeah, it is, it is amazing how, um, you know, when we look at traditional art houses and how hard it is to have a piece of art, you know, brought into the, those spaces. But this, you know, this open marketplace, this this world of Web3 and blockchain technology has, a anyone can have a voice. And you've seen all of these artists that no one has ever heard of that now come onto the scene and, and their art is resonating with people because they're given, you know, just a anyone can join and there's no... There's no barrier to entry in that regard that it doesn't matter, you know, where you come from, what you look like, what your background is, uh, you, you can have a voice. And and so I think that's one of the really, you know, that that was kind of the original promise of the Internet, that anyone could um, have have that voice. And that I think we're just going back to the root of that. Um, yeah. And it's it's truly, I think, uh, a special time. Absolutely. They have a voice and they also have ownership 
which is something that they we didn't before because mm. social media has made it possible for um big group of people to have a voice right now and to also use their voices in a way that can have a real impact but there is no ownership but with the blockchain with the ownerships comes something else and that is super exciting to to watch people make a living artists are not making a living uh you know their work is not being supported by likes it's being supported by funds that you know help them in real life create more art and make a living and um take care of their families and their futures so it created an economy that was I mean, this is the first time that as an artist, I see that we have a seat, a real seat at the table and we we are leading the movement and also so many artists thriving, even though the space is not perfect. A lot of people don't feel seen. A lot of people feel that they're not supported enough, but at least this is the beginning of something. We have to do better, of course. But uh, this is the, it's so early. So we are making some mistakes that hopefully we'll, we can correct, um, you know, as a group, because it's really a tiny space for now. We feel when we are on Twitter, we feel like we are, <laughs> it's like the whole world. Right. <laughs> but we are just a, a small group of people compared to, you know, the whole world. So I feel like we can um, empower each other to, to create a great space. Hmm. It's not great for now. It has the potential to be great, but we have to remind ourselves of the mistakes that as human we we do and not repeat them here. Hmm. And yeah. so I have a lot of hope for what is happening right now. Um so many many regard world of women as one of the trailblazers, if not the trailblazer, for showing how art can support a wide variety of causes. Uh, and you serve as the the head of philanthropy at World of Women. Uh, yes, how, I did, do. How, how did you guys get there as a project? Um, and then what's what do you have planned for the future? So I I have been an activist for women and girls' rights for a long time. And um, and also for the planet, and my work is is kind of known. If you are interested into that, you kind of they knew what I was doing, and I discovered World of Women, and I was like I said, I minted it, and I was so excited to see uh, not only a woman led project but women centric project, and so. I I slid I slid into Yams DM, and uh, and she and her partners, who funded the project, knew about my work, and we told them about what we were doing with Code Green because Code Green we worked a whole year before launching it, so we launched it at COP twenty six, mm. and we had started talking with uh, the Wow team before, and the idea was for me to. Um, become the head of philanthropy but for code green to to delegate to code green all the strategy of the philanthropy and the sustainability so code green is implementing is creating the the strategy and implementing it so what happened is that 
after the uh, World of Women Galaxy drop, which did amazing, uh, WoW gave, they they started a, uh, a fund that they split between Code Green and uh, the future uh, WoW Foundation. So with that fund, Code Green um, decided to, uh, in partnership with WoW, of course, with that fund, we donated to um, organizations that were supporting women and girls' rights, education, climate action, and uh, everything that has to do with social, gender, and climate justice. And so what happens is that we vetted organizations and we partnered with them as Code Green. And uh, with the funds that WOW gave us, we did a you know a long-term partnership, a year-long partnership where we created a program with them and we supported them financially with that with that fund. And uh, so we've been able to support um, almost 20 organizations wow. which are really, really focused on, on women and girls' health, education, and, and rights. And, uh, and also a lot of climate action. So it was something um, people were giving back in the space, but what we did as Code Green with World of Women was unprecedented. It was really uh, taking the philanthropy to another level. And uh, and even having a head of philanthropy, not a lot of projects have head of philanthropy. Mm-hmm. It's they're giving back and that's it. We didn't want to just donate funds. We wanted to have a partnership that supports not only by giving funds, but also bringing awareness to not just the causes, but the organizations and the people who are behind working and highlighting their work and how highlighting why it was important to support them. And that mm. way, instead of just donating, you create a support and a movement. You help them while they are do- is creating a movement. And so for us, it was um, it was a lot of work, but we really enjoyed it. And 14 months later, as Code Green, we felt we feel like we we grew so much because our team are uh, it's myself, my partner, who's an artist and also a climate activist. And um, our third founder used to work at the UN for 13 years. So Mm -hmm. philanthropy is something that we really uh, have been in the world of and we we've been working and um, in in different institution so for us it was um it was really natural to bring that in the space and then as code green we did partnerships with also the sandbox where we're creating a game with them that is called play uh it's called heal and it's um it's kind of uh, a play to heal so there is the play to earn but while you're earning you also heal because part of the funds are going to support climate action. And so that way you're participating in uh, supporting that. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it has been an exciting journey. That's really neat. Uh, is, uh, so is, is, is the play? So I, I love that concept because we, you know, we've all heard of play to earn, um, but play to heal. That's, that's really neat. Is, is that sandbox game out or that uh that world not yet not yet we started working on it last summer 
and uh, we're going to be releasing it this year. So okay. it's something that we we on both sides we feel passionate about because the Sandbox have been a big supporter of climate. And so we want to get it right. And the market conditions were kind of crazy when right. we, we started uh, building the project. So we're just waiting for uh, for the right time to launch it and to finish working on it as well. It takes time to build a game. And we want to get people participate in it, but in a fun way. While they're playing and they are earning, there's they're creating funds that are also going to support our organization, but we want them to have fun doing it. We don't want it to be like a boring, uh, you know, reminder of, okay, the planet is suffering and you need to be doing something, you know, this is not the, uh, this is not the approach that we have. So that's, uh, that's something that takes time to find the right balance of the game and have people like really genuinely, our goal is that at the end of the game, people feel like they are able to contribute in real life in supporting climate and that they know they have learned more and they are more educated about it. And um, and that's that's our whole goal at Code Green. We, we create different type of projects and partnerships uh, that supports, uh, you know, uh, social and climate justice. It's really cool to hear, and there's so many organizations. So I, you know, I work at a large nonprofit and oversee Web three there, and and our our goal is simply releasing children from poverty and and kind of being with them from early on until they're you know able to to be self sustaining. Um, that is so wonderful. It's it's really neat to hear how you are um, you are taking. Well, you're you're building that community around you know your your core values and and what Code Green is about, but then not only you're, are you like sh- showing them like here's how we are uh, serving this mission, but like you can be an active participant in helping serve the mission, and you can come alongside us, and you're doing it in a really kind of interesting and I think relevant practical way that so many people. Um, engage with on a day-to-day basis, which is like video games, right? Um, and yeah. I know that's just what, that's just one small example, but it's it's just such a uh, a good reminder, you know, for me personally. But then I think just for so many nonprofits that like there are ways to engage your audience and and bring them along with your mission. Absolutely, we want people to participate, and a lot of time the barrier is that they don't know how or they are overwhelmed with everything being so technical and complicated. And uh, unfortunately, the nonprofit and the philanthropic world is either just ask people to support or to help, but not participate. I feel like a lot of people don't know what to do apart from donating money. And what we want them to do is really being active participant and uh, not just uh, uh, by being community members, but having a voice. This is something that concerns us all. I mean, until we get it right for the whole society, the world is not doing well. Same for the climate. We don't have a planet B. We have just this one. So 
we need everybody to get on board. And to do that, we have to create a movement. And to create a movement, we have to hear people's voices and that are concerned and give them tools for them to participate uh, positively and uh, voluntarily rather than force them and, uh, you know, or shame or blame them. Hmm. I think that I, I, as a climate activist for the past 13 years, what I've been doing is using art to bring awareness and with uh, the Code Green team, before we launched Code Green, we actually um, did a, we, we worked on a project called the Great Green Wall. And it's one of the most ambitious uh, ecological projects right now. It's uh, um, from Senegal to Djibouti, all across the width of Africa. And it's uh, 8,000 kilometers that is being, uh, you know, of green that is being created. And it's wow. 100 million hectares of degraded land that are being restored. And so it's a huge, huge, huge project. But when we started working on it, Alex, who's one of our co-founders, was uh, heading that project at the UN. And so he contacted Marco and I, and we worked together. We created a documentary film, and uh, I was asked by the UN to lead the advocacy and so we, with the film, we, it was like a musical journey. So there was music, there was film, there was um, exhibitions later on. And when we started working on the project, it was really under the radar. But fast forward five years later, we have with that project, with the UNCCD, a pledge of $19 billion to wow. achieve the project. So it shows how with art you can bring people in and create a movement and by telling stories and uh, um, you know reaching out to people in a different way which was not a political way it was really more effective and so in this space which is all about art it's like we have amazing tools to reach to people and bring them in some people will come on in because they love their art. Some people will come on in because they love the mission. Some people will come on in because of financial gains. And so, and all of that is okay. We just want people to come on in and then with time, you know, to have them be part of a solution. That's why we, we are launching a project called the Vampires Club. And uh, it's a project that is supporting climate action. And because vampires are, you know, in pop culture are very well known, but also they are immortal beings. So we see them as the ones who are going to inherit the planet long after humankind is gone. And so they are the ones who are like, okay, these humans are clearly struggling and we want to, <laughs> we want, we have to do something. So it's a, a lot of humor, but at the same time, they're deadly serious because the, the things that they are like kind of, either joking around or being sarcastic about our real danger and, and real problems that the planet is, is facing. But we don't want to say it in that way. We don't want to be just like, ah, oh, look at the clock. The clock is, you know, <laughs> we don't have time. This is an emergency. And you just stress out people. While these yeah. vampires are just like this crazy bunch, uh, we, we actually use a lot of animation and, uh, and and 
and kind of meme culture for it. We want people to have fun and to relate to what they are talking about. And so that way we bring in an unlikely audience to support climate actions because a big part of the funds are going to be given to uh, climate organizations and also eco-entrepreneurs to support them in the work that they are doing. And so that way we become a community of, uh, you know, activists without even knowing that they are actively doing anything, you know. But uh, yeah, we're really also creating a, a soul-bound token that uh, is a dynamic NFT that, you know, every time that uh, we do an action as a community, it updates. So that way people are proud to be participating in this and seeing that what you're doing has a real impact, it empowers you to do even more because it's it doesn't make it so gloomy, you know. They People have tried the gloomy and shaming way. It does not work. Yeah. You will not shame people into taking action. You have to inspire them. You have to empower them. You have to uh, entertain them. And so it's it has been really exciting to work on that project and it's uh, to see it come to life and slowly build up even in a bear market, even in a moment that Twitter engagement is kind of uh, hectic, but still having people like coming in the project and uh, being there. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, that's really neat. And it's it kind of goes to show the power of storytelling. In, well, the and the importance of storytelling because you can bring along an audience that's engaged in a story and it actually tells a bigger story that you know has a a, bi a bigger cause behind it. Um, Absolutely, and that's what happened with World of Women is a lot of people came in for the values, you know, um, that was women empowerment and also uh, gender justice, and in a space where there were barely projects with, you know, women-centric and supporting uh, women. It, it was uh, something that people saw, oh, I really want to be part of this because I relate to the values that are being shared. It was, for many people, it was not about financial gain. It was being part of a community that uh, have, that they shared the same value with. Hmm. For, for someone who's, or, or an organization that is maybe just getting into the space, how can they begin to foster some of that community and, and build towards driving positive change? I think it is important for organization coming in to really lay out what they are trying to achieve and what their values are. And w because it will make it easier for communities to to connect with. If you know what this project is about and what exactly you're going to um, support, it makes it easier to get involved in. I think transparency is something that is vital. And that's the reason why I love the blockchain and that's the reason why we decided to launch Code Green and that's the reason why, you know, in all of these projects, we can see everything because of the nature of uh, the project and also the decentralized way and the decentralized nature of it. So I think be transparent, share your value and 
inspire people to to support what you're doing. Tell them why they should support you. And storytelling is super important. Do not do it in silence. Share everything that you're about. And you will find people that it resonates with that will uh, are either passionate or are want to learn about it. And that will be your core community and that will be your biggest supporters. Hmm. And stay true to that. Like never, never your community comes first. Like what you are building, you're building together. And yeah. it's important yeah. to uh, to have uh, to have them being part of the process as well because a lot of us came into this space because it gives us a voice, and so it's important to remember that that people have a voice and they want to use it and to listen. Well, Ina, this has been amazing. Where can listeners find you online? So uh, you can find me online under the Twitter name Ina Moja, I-N-N-A-M-O-D-J-A. And, uh, or you can find me, you know, with uh, Code Green or the Vampires Club Twitter. We are also on LinkedIn and on Instagram. And also on YouTube, we're basically everywhere. We we try to go meet people where they are. And uh, if you look into WOW Philanthropy, well, you can find me behind that as well. Amazing. Is is the Vampires Club uh, live already or is it coming? So the collection hasn't been launched yet, but the Twitter account is definitely live and they are acting up over there. <laughs> so we, <laughs> okay. we don't want to rush things. We really want to, um, you know, create a solid foundation for the community to rely on. So we're taking our time. We started it in November. And so it's uh, probably the spring or Q1 okay. or Q2 we're going to mint. But there is no rush. We We want to... We want this as a fun experience. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to keep my eye on that one. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Ina. I'm really grateful for your insights and, and your perspectives. And uh, just before we say goodbye, I want to remind everyone, follow Ina on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of the things. Check out World Women, Vampire Club, Code Green, and see all the cool initiatives that they are working on. Thanks, Ina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful that you gave me a, a platform to share. Thank you so much. 